0: This is Commerce Shannigan's episode 674 Flashback Captain America to Serve and Protect. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 674. Today I'm doing another flashback episode. This time I was uh, looking at my comic book shelves and I. It's almost like I was, I was looking at the top of the shelf. I was looking at a bunch of different books, and this one book kind of jumped out at me. I'm like, what is that? And I looked at it, and it was Captain America, and it's, it's to serve and protect. And it's one of those trades where I know I must have picked it up in the last, well, probably 10 years now. Uh, it feels relatively recent, but uh, before I had my son, I used to go to a, a local uh, used bookstore very often called BMV in Toronto, uh, and they used to have really good deals. They still do, but it's different. Um, I found. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, and I was really starting to get more into trades, I would find like old trades I'd never heard of before. And it was always exciting to kind of find something that was kind of this uh, diamond in the rough. Now, I kind of know all the trades that have, been, that have been published in the last 15 years now. But at that point, there was like a lot of, I was again getting into trades and I was buying most of singles up until that point. So suddenly getting trades, I was finding stuff of trades I never thought I'd find. And, you know, and I didn't know what had been published. And again, it was more scattershot back in the day. Now it feels like everything gets in trade to some form. But at at the time, that wasn't necessarily the case. And I remember, so I'm trying to remember exactly when I picked this up, and I can't seem to recall, it looks like this first printing of Captain America to Serve and Protect is actually from 2002. I know that I bought it probably more like 2008 or so, maybe nine, 2009 or, 2009 or in 2010. Um, the issues in here, so this is, again, Captain America to Serve and Protect, it's c- collecting the issues uh, one to seven of Captain America volume three, uh, back when there weren't 800 volumes of... I couldn't even tell you which volume of Captain America they are on now. I remember, you know, you had Volume 1, which is basically up until Heroes Are Born. Heroes Are Born was Volume 2. And then you had Volume 3. And for a long time, I thought that's just the way it would be. And now, I I, I don't know. I hazard a guess to say there's probably, what, eight volumes now? Maybe nine? Like, I don't know. It just seems like there's been so many. Um, So this is, you know... The issues in here, I picked up a bunch of them when they first came out. Um, I was not really a Captain America fan. Um, I... I'm trying to remember, like, I, I probably... I feel like when I was in the com- uh, I was getting into comics, um, I was still buying them on the newsstand at one point and I was getting like Iron Man's because I really got into Iron Man uh, during the kind of Heroes Are Born, Heroes Return phase. Uh, I probably picked up maybe an issue of Captain America, but I feel like I probably didn't. Now looking back on it, I don't think I had. And uh, so Heroes Return was really my first real foray into understanding anything about Captain America and actually experiencing Captain America comics. Um, and it's interesting because you know, if you look at the historical context here, You had uh, you know a a run that people very much hold in high regard. You have Mark Wade and uh, Ron Garney uh, at the the closing end of Captain America before it got taken over by uh, Rob Liefeld and turned into something different. Um, So you had this you know pretty well regarded run, very well regarded, and then you have this critically derided run, and then you have Garney and Wade coming back and they and they came on this book now that's the historical context. I did not know this when I started picking up the random issues here and there. Again, I would, was just kind of getting into Iron Man, and then I, you know, I picked up a couple issues of, of, of Avengers. I feel like in The Heroes Were Born, I had um, I'm trying to think, what issues of of uh, of that that I pick up originally. Like I, it, it's kind of scattershot in my memory. I remember like I picked up a couple issues here and there of Avengers. I think it was issues like 3, 4, and 5. It's just a, just a weird choice, <laughs> weird choices. Um, and with Cap, I believe it was issues, I think, 3 to 7 or something crazy like that. It was years later that I would pick up issue 1. I don't think it was that many years later, but I was able to find issue 1. Issue 2 eluded me for a while. Um, and It was just something about these issues I just loved. So I remember when I was at this used bookstore... And I found this trade. I was like, oh, man, it's so exciting because as much as I love single issues and, you know, especially for a lot of the ones that I got when I was first getting into comics, like there's a, a real intrinsic memory, that kind of sense memory with all these issues because, you know, I didn't have thousands of comics. I had a 100 comics, you know, and every issue meant more because I didn't have that many and I'd read it many times and I would go back and read them. And then there got to be a point where in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, I was getting like, you know, 40 books a month where... I just wasn't doing that anymore. And even now I'm reading so many, I don't necessarily have them all physical, but I read so many that, you know, there is the less of an impact on individual issues. I often wonder if I stopped reading, doing this podcast and start, start, stop trying to kind of be up on everything and reading as much as I can and, you know, trying to do reviews and everything. If a lot of that would just fall by the wayside. I'd have like three or three books I kind of read on a regular basis and what would that look like? And would I just appreciate the books I had that much more because I'm only reading a couple as opposed to reading, you know, having to get through, you know, the first five just to get to the next five type of thing? Like, and I I seriously do wonder, you know, if the podcast stopped tomorrow, would my reading stop and would I maybe start to enjoy in some cases more because I had less to kind of feel like I had to power through and more just reading for enjoyment. Um, you know, it's been almost seven years of the podcast, and I can't answer that question. Um, which maybe I'm just scared of the question. <laughs> uh, so you know, going back. So, anyways, I'm excited I even picked up this um, picked picked up the trade today to talk about because I love these issues of Captain America. Now I've talked to well both Ron Gurney and Mark Wade, um, but specifically I've spoken to Mar- uh, Ron Gurney about these issues, and it wasn't all. You know, lollipops and rainbows behind the scenes. Um, but looking at the issues, like, I remember loving these. Again, like, I read most of these when I would have been, I mean, what, Heroes were Born, Heroes Return was what, 97, 98? Um, which is interesting because this trade means it, it came out only like a few years after the fact, um, where. It was already kind of, may probably consider kind of a modern classic type of thing. It's interesting, too, because it's just such an interesting era of of Captain America. I mean, the first issue, you have Cap in Japan, and it's such a different... It's it's very interesting to kind of go back and read it, because uh, it has an interesting kind of perspective of imperialism and um, North American culture... Specifically, American culture kind of invading um, Japan. You also have, you know, Captain America kind of now being back in the in, in the living and having to kind of deal with what that looks like. And this idea of Captain America as kind of a pop icon, as opposed to just being a hero, is really explored, especially in this first issue. Um, and it's got some really powerful stuff. And I'm looking back on it, what I, really excites me about these types of stuff is that you have a full done in one issue, like you have a full story, um, which is again such a nice pleasure about any comics before 2004 or 2001 or I don't know the exact demarcation line but uh, around that period is when st- storylines started feeling like they were all longer. Now in some cases that's fine. Um, I just, I'm always as much as the writing is technically on a technical level, generally better um, because they're able to do more natural dialogue, they're more more space, etc. I do miss the you know, kind of the the tightly wound, having a, a single issue and having a full story. Uh, I feel like I'm an old man who's telling people to get off his lawn, but there is an aspect to that that I really appreciate. That you can pick up an issue. I could give my son an issue and be like, "Read this," and he doesn't come back to me five minutes later and go like, "Okay, well, what happens next?" Because I, this issue isn't enough. Um, that's actually why what I really like about getting him like Uncle Scrooge comics. You get a full story. Even the uh, Son of the Hedgehog comics I've been getting him for the most part is a full story. Like they have they seed in what's going to happen next in the overall storyline. And there's a couple of issues where it's, you know, kind of the, the battle of this. And so maybe it's a two or three issues, but you still kind of get the feeling that you have a full sense of the story. Like the story is told, you're getting little snippets of it. But whereas in the typical comics these days, you feel like you only get chapter one or chapter two, one, and two, or whatever you want to break it down as, but you're not really getting a beginning, middle, and end, or it doesn't feel like the issue itself has a true beginning, middle, and end. Um, what I loved about going back and reading some of like this again is that it's done on one issue but then you have like three or four pages and again as a kid I would not have understood any of this and this is what made it exciting to me as a kid and this is why I, it bothers me sometimes when people are like, oh, comics are too inaccessible. Kids will to figure it out, you know? Like, I I wasn't a kid, I guess. I was 14, 15 years old, but my point is you know, I picked up, I read this issue, I can understand what happened with Captain America, his adventure here. There's, you know, the subtext that there's this other character, and what, what's her history, what's Lady Deathstrike's kind of past, uh, which is pretty cool. There's some great art in that first issue, especially. Not to say that the rest of the collection doesn't have feature good art, but they really came out of the, the gate swinging here. And then you have like an issue, a whole, a whole page with uh, Agent Thirteen or show. And Carter. And again, as a kid, I have no idea what this means, but I'm excited about it and I'm. You know, like what? What is her connection to Cap? Why is she so pissed off that he's back? Like that was cool. And you have like a whole page of like a, sh- a living shadow. And I remember as a kid again being like, "What the fuck is this? That's so cool. What's going on?" And again, not feeling like I was missing something, but instead excited by the promise of something I didn't know. And then I, it's I was talking to um, a client on my recent list. I work at a bank, and I was talking to a client, and we we're talking about the idea that. Uh, There's really something special about when we, well, when we, I use the collective we here, but he's a little bit older than me, but when we grew up, there was such a thing as a question that couldn't be answered. Um, What I mean by that is that for a lot of questions that come up now, like if I'm reading a comic and I'm like, oh man, I don't know who that mystery person is, I could probably go online and find it. Or I could find a message board or find someone talking about the issue. If I look hard enough, I can find the answer. Whereas at the time, you had no fucking clue. Um, You could talk to another comic fan, it would just be conjecture, but there was no kind of authority on it. There wasn't like a mask, um, you know, consensus that you could ever find. And I kind of miss that. Um, There is something nice about the fact that like if you hear a song on the radio and you're curious what that song is, you can probably find that song in about five minutes, or sorry, five seconds. You could just put in some lyrics and put it in Google and you'll find it. Um, and that's good. And But there's just something to the simplicity of, of life when you didn't have that. You didn't have every answer at your fingertips, uh, just on your phone. You actually had to figure things out. I remember, you know, you'd listen to a song on the radio and you'd have to wait till the song was over and hope that they didn't introduce it at the beginning and hope instead that you were hitting it at the end. Or they go right into another song and you got to wait till that song's over and hope that they now say, okay, the last couple songs were this. That's not really a thing anymore. If I hear something on the radio and I don't know what it is, and I don't want to worry about you know hearing them talk about it, I can go to the radio station's website and see currently playing and see exactly what it is. So I mean, like it's nice, but at the same time, you kind of lose you know the, the simple magic of what it was like when we were younger. Um, anyways, I don't know why I'm such an old man again telling people to get off my lawn, but it's just the way I'm hardwired. Um, at the end of this first issue, you also have like a shot of Kang saying, like, "You know, the future holds many surprises, uh, none more chilling than one planned for you by him." I don't even know if they necessarily do anything with this Kang subplot, but again, it was just cool—cool cool to see. Um, you know, that pe- they were—they were kind of laying groundwork and. You know, you still see this sometimes here. I know this was definitely something that Jeff Johns would do to kind of entice or create excitement. I should say is that you know, on the first issue of a of a book, he would say kind of this year in blah blah blah, and you'd have kind of quick shots to make you go like, whoa, what is that? And that's cool. I and mean, there's something to that. Um, having kind of a plan and seeding it out and making the reader excited. And that's definitely how I felt here. Um, you know, as a kid, I, I again, didn't know what was happening, but it didn't affect my enjoyment at all. Uh, in fact, it just increased my enjoyment. And so I, that's why I, I'm very skeptical. And people are like, oh, comics are too complicated. And I'm like, yeah, they are, but they're also not, you know. And if you write it in such a way, it won't matter. Um, the second issue of Captain America is... Got such a great sequence, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I fucking love it anyway. Is you have this a a great kind of wordless shot of Captain America licking his finger, putting it up in the air, and throwing his shield, and then he's just he he has a watch on and he's like counting, and this Hydra agent is like you know let me pass. The hostage dies. They're on like this this ship, and uh, he's like. The, the agent of Hydra just finally realizes like, wait a minute you don't have your shield and Cap's just like it'll come if I whistle for it and it's just the like, great kind of moment and then he kind of whistles and batang it hits the Hydra agent And uh, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but um, it's such a fucking great moment. It's, you know, part humor, part badass. Um, And again, the art is so good uh, by Garney. And um, again, even some of the back and forth is great. There's this scientist who's like, wow, where do I get one of those referring to the shield? He's like, you don't. She's a one of a kind adamantium vibranium alloy. You got a name for it? What do you mean? Like, trigger? Do you have a, right, a name for your right arm? He's like, I don't need one. Exactly. And what's so great about this issue, so it's a fantastic issue of, of Captain America in an enclosed base on a submarine trying to rescue people from Hydra, um, and then trying to escape intact, um, and it being you know kind of deadly, again, close quarters, um, and they're... Comes a choice here where he gets exploded out of this this submarine. Uh, he's protected by his shield. Him and another, um, you know, one of the people on board this this vessel. And so he saves this person, trying to get his shield, going you know farther and farther to try and get a shield. It's gripping. There's no dialogue. There's no narration. There's nothing. No purple prose here. It's just letting the artwork breathe. And you just have this great sequence of Captain America swimming and swimming. He's got this other person he's trying to protect and save at the same time. He's trying to go is you know deeper, deeper into the water to, to get his shield and his it's crack his um he's got like a containment um helmet and it's cracking under the pressure and so is the other person's and he realizes he has to make the call and he leaves the shield and he goes you know he, he's able to you know rescue their both of their lives they get on board this kind of this uh, this escape boat and um and he's like you got to get in here the sun's beating down pretty hot it's such a great moment cap just says i'll be fine i pack my own shade and he realizes as he puts his hand up he doesn't have a shield anymore like he knew it but it's just something in that moment because again Great um, writing by Wade in terms of at the very beginning the idea that the shield is his right arm he doesn't even have to think about it it's always there um, you know it's it's not just a weapon or it's not just a an implement it's really part of him and then the idea that this great look that Garney shows as he realizes the severity of the moment and then you have someone kind of talking to him saying you know that was an amazing uh, an amazing save he just that was so great. Hey, Cap, where's your shield? And in this great one-page shot of just the vastness of, of the water, all these lifeboats there, you have these uh, birds flying by, and just Cap just saying, gone. Fuck, it still gets me. Like, there's just something about, again, that's such a simple premise that, you know, Captain America has to save some hostages from Hydra. That's it. That's the issue. It's as simple as that, you know? there's not a lot of setup it's just caps here to protect people save people and then he loses his shield at the end such a simple but extremely effective issue and I love it uh, then you got chapter three here uh, and again this is all in the uh, the waiting garney Um, but uh, you know I, I just don't own that but I do have this trade. Uh, in issue three this is one I do have the original I, I don't even think it's a direct edition I think it was one of the original uh, you know ones that where I was just buying it as I said on newsstand uh, not even at a comic book store at all so um, it just has you know the regular barcode no direct edition on it and you got th- this great issue where cap gets a new shield but it's not quite right and it doesn't have this the same kind of weight to it. Um, and you don't often get to play kind of Captain America for laughs, not even for laughs, but a little bit of humor here. And so you have this like two-page, um, partially not—it's like a page and a half spread, and then a few other panels on the right side of the page where Captain America's new shield is kind of flying everywhere, haywire, and finally it's up to Thor to kind of um, you know use his hammer to batten it down, which is totally overkill, but whatever—it's a cool moment. And just the idea that you know Cap—it's just not. The right feel and they have a, a good moment here where he's like why doesn't it's interesting the black panther of all people would ask this question and then hawkeye be the one to answer but it's like um why does why why not just send namor after the shield and it's the idea that you know namor wasn't able to find it um you know it's 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 a giant stretch of water and you just can't can't find the shield so you have cap kind of having to deal with this and also kind of being out and again having Cap mania which is definitely a an idea that was going on here um And then you have, you know, this new leader of Hydra, who's kind of a punk and uh dealing with you know they, they try to take over uh the Smithsonian cap has to you know rescue rescue some people um you know the shield he's been trying to use doesn't really work so well because again it, it's the, it's you know the weight is off you have Sharon Carter making her re- return here as well uh so cap ends up using his original triangular triangular shield um which again looks badass it's very cool and he ends up getting it uh, they let him keep it and you know he kind of uses it moving on and um, yeah, it's a, it's a again a fun issue of Captain America having to adjust to a new status quo. He doesn't have his regular shield anymore, and instead of you know potentially being in a dangerous situation by throwing this you know circular shield that is not his old one, and it's easy for him for him to forget that. Instead, he now has this triangular shield. Um, you got issue four, Cap Mania, still by Ron Garney and Mark Wade. Uh, Love this issue. You got some a great team-up with Hawkeye and Cap. Uh, again, Hydra's kind of the main focus here. Uh, not in, like, a crazy way, but just, you know, just... They just you just use them just enough. There's the idea of that uh, that shadow from before is used here to further that mystery. Uh, you have Batroc here, and there's some great sequences with uh, Batroc and Cap America fighting each other. And again, Cap is having to fight with his new shield, and it's not really as used to using it. Although there is a great sequence here where he's able to kind of use it on on a, a skating rink and then use it to you know kick Batrock in the face, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, a, a great sequence, and again, this is probably a lot of what furthered or started my love of Hawkeye, is seeing him in this book, because I'm trying to think back, when did I first see Hawkeye? I mean, this would have been around the time of the Avengers Assemble TV series, but I don't think anyone would ever say that's the reason why they loved uh, Hawkeye. So I probably really came to you know first see him in this book and in Avengers, and then later in the Thunderbolts. And that's kind of the, the Hawkeye I remember the most. So uh, Hawkeye here, again, not the Hawkeye that we're used to seeing ever since Matt Fraction kind of changed the character. I like that book, but it's hard to deny the fact that ever since that book, he is completely transformed, and so the Hawkeye I fell in love with does not really exist anymore. Uh, Issue 5 is a team-up with Thor. Uh, It's still by uh, Wade and Garney, and uh, it still looks great. Um, The art, I will say, doesn't at times look as polished, um, but it's exciting. There's a lot going on here, and you end up seeing that there's actually a Skrull invasion going on here, which... Was kind of really felt very out of nowhere, but it was exciting. It was like, well, what 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 could possibly happen next? Um, again, some great art. There is some really great art here. There's a sequence with uh, the scroll having taken over. As Captain America, and then jumping um, off the Empire State Building, I think it's the Empire State Building, um, with a, a parachute. And it's just an awesome looking cap image, even though it's not really cap. Uh, and then we go to issue six, which has such a striking cover with uh, a scrawl Captain America. And so the whole idea of kind of a, a secret invasion, this happened, you know, 10 years earlier in a, in a pretty cool Captain America storyline that I feel like no one remembered. Um, it's by Mark Wade still, but now we have Dale Eaglesham as the guest penciler. And this was my first introduction. To to Dale Eaglesham, and goddamn, I remember as a kid just being like, "Holy crap, the art on this is amazing!" Um, I mean, I loved the, I loved Garney's art too, but this was very different, um, and I really enjoyed it. And again, it has kind of all the hallmarks that you're used to seeing in, in Eaglesham's art. Um, again, it's really cool to kind of see the Skrull Captain America taking over. He's able to con- kind of convince people uh, to follow him that you know you have to attack the Skrulls. Uh, he's manipulating people to his own end and kind of creating mass anarchy. Uh, just, again, it's extremely well written, great artwork, and then it leads into chapter seven, which is the last issue here, which is the kind of the big showdown. And again, this is two issues. If this was now, this would be like a year and a half. Um, and again, it's it's just crazy to to think that that's just the way things are now that you know you could not have a story like this that's this concise and this kind of stripped down like it just it doesn't exist in this day and age uh this day and age this this story just would not be done this way uh and it's extremely exciting and and well done and again it's the art too is incredible because I believe it's by uh, Andy Kubert takes over so you had Eagle Sham doing that one issue and then you have uh, coming on and he's obviously on captain America for a lot longer afterwards. Um, but his work here is just incredible. And, uh, I mean, even the, the first page is so striking. It's this, uh, captain America lies. Um, which is you know very striking because you have someone kind of running through the streets. There's riots. There's people lying bodies lying on the floor, or sorry on the on the street. You have a, a burning American flag. Captain America lies, and then you have like this kind of cutout of the United States and all the kind of anarchy that's happening, um, all kind of manipulated by quote unquote Captain America, but who's really a skull. Um just cr- like crazy cool stuff. Um, and then the, the kind of the final showdown between Cap and uh, the Skull is extremely well put together by Kubert, uh, by who really kind of knocks it out of the park. And this issue is some of the strongest work I've seen in some cases. Like just the way he makes Cap look, how heroic he looks. Um, at the very end, the idea that, you know, he wants everyone to kind of define the American dream together. And he's, he's on the statue of Liberty, um, as he does it, like, it's just something about it is so resonant and so strong. Anyways, this is, I love these seven issues of Cap America. I mean, Mark Wade had a, a, some great runs on cap. Um, this is some of the, my favorite stuff. Now, part of it's, I will be completely honest, nostalgia. I think I read, I probably picked up issues three to seven when I was a kid. I don't think I picked up the, eight, uh, the eighth issue for whatever reason. Um, so those issues are, are always going to matter a lot to me because you know I I picked them up when I was younger and I didn't really know these characters and that's kind of the Cap America I came into, um, you know I've loved a lot of different Cap America runs over the years, but uh, and I have a bunch on my shelf, but there's just something about this particular is the Captain America I think of when I close my eyes, you know this is the one I really enjoy. Uh, not to take anything away from the Brewbreaker run or any of the other amazing runs I've read over the years, um, but this is this was you know the, this was my first introduction and. It's that one that really takes hold in my mind. Um, you know, certain panels here, you know, by Garney, by Eagle Sham, and by Kubert, they're my cap. And there probably always will be uh, unless I get some sort of weird uh, you know amnesia and I have to rediscover Captain America and have a totally different frame of reference. Uh, it is interesting how that plays in um, to, to your enjoyment and your nostalgic love of a book um, I mean that's in my, my Superman will always be kind of the the Dan Jurgens Tom Grummet and and I'm trying to remember who else was doing the art at the time but um, there's three main artists that I really enjoyed on these Superman books at that time uh, of, of Around the Death of Superman. Uh, it's going to bug me that I can't remember the last one. Um, those were the strongest for me. Um, you had, I, I think, was it Bogdanov? I can't even remember A Man of Steel. Well, it wasn't really my, as much, to, I, even at, at the time, I wasn't, I was like, eh, I don't know, this isn't really for me. But um, these other books had artists that I really enjoyed. Uh, I think maybe Geis was on it. I think it was, might have been Jackson I'm Sorry, Butch Geis. What am I saying? I think it was credited as Jackson and Geist back then, so I think that's why I kind of make the correction in my head. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening to this flashback episode. It was a little bit rambly, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to talk about this, these issues of Captain America. They mean a lot to me. They're, um, you know, some, so they're really great packed stories where, I mean, you get a lot of Cap versus Hydra, you get this cool kind of Skull story, which, you know, really plays on the idea that if you had Cap mania, if you had people so in love with Captain America and the, the concept of Captain America, especially after having come back from the dead and people kind of look up to this, this character, this person as being this kind of infallible, Uh, Person, Which, again, doesn't that feel a lot like Secret Empire? Like, just saying it out loud. Like, the idea of having a version of Captain America who is everyone's ready to trust. And then he kind of turns on them. And that's kind of the basic premise of Secret Empire. Um, But here it's a scroll. So it's kind of like half-Secret Empire, half-Secret Invasion, all Captain America. You know, and and we got it 20 years ago. Um, You know, 10 years before... Well, I'm, I'm you know, being rough here, but like 10 years before Secret Invasion and 20 years before Secret Empire, you had a Captain America story with the same kind of ideas in there, um, surface similarities. Obviously, they went completely different directions, but it's just interesting how you know comics, uh, on the face of them, sometimes don't feel that different, or the story beats will seem very similar. There's obviously intricacies that set them apart from each other, but it's just interesting what how they are at times more similar than we maybe care to remember or care to think that they are. Anyways, thanks for joining me for this episode. You can email me at shenanigans at gmail.com. You can rate and review the show on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.